Man, the lady doth protest too much. Just shut up. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on. One of you nuts has got any guts. What's but a smile on that face? You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you by what right? Because I have a right to be. I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. This episode, we have a new release review uh, with me and Mike. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Beyond. So, Mike, uh, thanks for coming on and talking about another great summer blockbuster. I know this year has been just fantastic for you. I think I was trying to get out of it again, wasn't I? I think you like were. Night, I was like, come on, Dave. <laughs> Do you I have find to? a backup. There's got to be someone... And then you send me a uh, you know a screenshot of some dude on Twitter that's like I'm a huge Star Trek fan and you podcast that wants to have me on I'd love to join you and I'm like you son of a bitch Dave you're still making me do this uh, that's so yeah right. I was not not looking forward to it even as I was sitting in the uh, in the theater I was you know wondering how long I was going to last because I'm not a, a tracky by any means and I don't even think I've seen I may have seen one of the uh, I guess the William Shatner movies but I've never seen a single episode of any version of star trek yeah so you and i are coming from the exact opposite angle like i was raised with star trek i've watched every episode of every star trek show that there's been so and seen every movie uh and some are good and some are horrible uh so it's always like with star trek movies you're you're always like it's kind of like rolling the dice like it's either going to be pretty good or really good or it's going to be like terrible like really hard to sit through now what's the uh what's the numbering system Oh, it's supposed to be like the the even ones are good and the odd ones are bad, supposedly. Does that actually play out, or is, is that not really worked? In, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think it, it worked for a while. It worked with the uh, the kind of original uh, Star Trek movies, but once we got into like Next Generation, like honestly, I was not a big fan of really any of the Next Generation movies, even though I feel like the TV even, show uh, was better. First Contact, is that what it was called? Yeah, it was all right. I mean, it just it didn't really stick with me. It, it doesn't. The Next Generation movies, to me, never feel like movies. They feel like extended television episodes. And that's always a worry when you have movies based on TV series. Um, Whereas the originals, like, you know, complain if you want. Like, that first Star Trek movie was slow and artsy, especially in the first 30 to 45 minutes. But it did feel like a movie, so you got to give it that. I would say, Dave, that this, this new one feels like an extended episode, though. And so? for me, it worked in a good way. I did. I felt like it's the anti sort of, I guess, pre-Marvel version of franchise filmmaking, where it doesn't feel world-ending necessarily. It's very contained to like that one, one sort of planet and battleground. Obviously, it can spread, but it, right. you know, they're definitely not battling with forces that are going to end you know, all of civilization, at the very least in that adventure. So, no, I actually really appreciated how sort of simple it was. Yeah, I mean, it was simple, but I think... I think in this movie, you one of the best things about it to me is you immediately from that kind of first extended battle sequence, you have stakes. Your your crew is up against something that they don't know how to fight. So in that way, for me, it didn't feel episodic. It didn't feel like, oh, well, there's a misunderstanding. We better figure this out. It felt like really intense <laughs> and something you really had to deal with. 
it was kind of a misunderstanding, Dave. I mean, with a lot of you know death and destruction. Well, you have a misunderstanding with Idris Elba. It's <laughs> it's a problem. He's going to take over your ship. He's going <laughs> to blow you out of the sky. So yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I was I was really shocked by this movie. I even as a Star Trek fan, like seeing the trailers and seeing the hype leading up to it, I did not think it was going to be very good. Like I thought this was going to be I didn't think it was going to be bad, but I thought it was going to be totally forgettable and like just, you know, just another in the fucking Star Trek lexicon where you're like, "Oh, that was fine," and then I'll probably never watch it again. But I really like this movie. Like I honestly for a kind of summer blockbuster, like this is exactly what I want. Like, I think this really worked. I think Justin Lin being the director really helped because he he's really good at at using a large cast and not having you feel like we're leaving people out or we're focusing too much on one or two people. And that's really and that should be what Star Trek is about. Like, it's all about the crew and all about how they work together. And I think you got a lot of that here. Yeah, it's sort of the anti uh, Abrams uh, approach. Yeah, Abrams was all about Kirk and Spock. Well, he wanted to make it Star Wars, right? Yeah. That was like his audition tape to 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 get that and and w- uh, well played. I guess, <laughs> I guess we just all kind of suffered for that through two, <laughs> two different universes. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think you're right. Like the way they sort of established the adventure for me, it was to even play like a stronger nerd card. It was like a very good like D and D adventure or something. It's like you kind of have that sort of party aspect, and you utilize people's like different sort of attributes like right. you know you you have the way especially the way the dynamic between uh spock and it's like these various like interpersonal relationships he has <laughs> that adds to a lot of comedy but also just the perspective on how they're going to like sort of approach these different situations and right. it does build it it never lags like that's also the concern when you sort of divide up your characters in that way is you're going to have that sort of return of the jedi mm-hmm. effect where like right. one of these set pieces is more interesting than the others i don't think the film suffers from that at all like I, every no. time they moved on to someone else i was sort of unhappy to leave the previous group but then i was back into it with whatever the new situation was so it's just really solid like sort of action movie filmmaking like i was shocked yeah. i i'm like <laughs> you i thought the best it would be it would be passable but forgettable right and like for me it's like right up there with nice guys as far as like wide release films for the summer yeah and if if people remember how much you like nice guys, that is that is pretty high praise. But I, I think you're right about kind of using everybody really well. I mean, you have this kind of subplot uh, with Scotty trying to repair a ship and you've got, you know, uh, Sulu playing a major part near the end of the film and Chekhov being a, a major part. And, you know, without any of these side characters, you couldn't have this movie be successful, this mission be successful with just Spock and Kirk. And I think you felt like that in the previous Abrams movies. Like, I'm not as much of a hater as those movies as a lot of people are. I think the first one is actually quite good and a great, like, reboot, reset for a uh, for a film franchise because, you know, because of what he did, you don't really have to worry about canon, which I think is a brilliant decision, especially when you're dealing with people like Star Trek or Star Wars nerds because they're going to, you know, they got their Wikipedia links open as they're watching the movie, so they're ready to pick you apart. So that was a really smart way to deal with that. But I think just as a standalone film this is easily the best of the three yeah absolutely um it it's funny because what you said about the original that he didn't abrams didn't seem to learn those lessons at all with into darkness so it's like <laughs> oh god it's like so hey, true. we established our 
establish our own continuity. Let's do Wrath of Khan again. I was right. like, oh, okay, it's like a high school stage production. <laughs> well, yeah, and it didn't help. It didn't help that for like six to nine months before the movie came out, he kept going into the media and going, "It's not Wrath of Khan." Like all the rumors you've heard, it's not that. <laughs> like, man, the lady doth protest too much. Just shut up. <laughs> End the interview. Say you're not going to answer questions about the plot and move on. Because then people felt betrayed because you said for months that it wasn't. And then they watched the movie and you're like, oh, so it is Wrath of Khan, but with two characters switched? Fuck you. Like, <laughs> don't be that guy. Don't don't try to play your audience like that. Well, after Force Awakens being, you know, just a remake of A New Hope... Like, Abram strikes me as a guy that if they gave him, like, the X-Men franchise, he would just remake X2. He would be, like, <laughs> it would be his ode to Brian Singer. Yeah, people like know, that. Cl- <laughs> classic 2003 film. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Star Trek Beyond, it's just, like, this is actually a more appropriate reboot where we're not, like, setting aside anything we did in the previous two films. But we're not going to be – it doesn't feel like it's just beholden to, like, that nostalgic feeling. Like, no. you remember when you liked Star Trek? And it does it in a better way where it just gives you, like, as someone who's not a Star Trek fan, it just made me invest in the characters, people who I don't really give a shit about. Right. But they just became, you know, and you were mentioning Lynn, his use of how he assembles, like, this this cast. Like, it's very reminiscent of what he did with the Fast and Furious films. And I think it's kind of missing from, like, especially the last one, like, losing Justin Lynn. So, yeah, this is just a particular skill set that he has as a director that... I don't know. It's actually kind of rare in this it big is. budget filmmaking now to be able to sort of use all those parts. So it's, it's just really right. impressive. It's just really, just a really good movie. Yeah, I think the other the other person who should really be mentioned is Simon Pegg, who wrote the script here, and I was like really impressed because you know you and I definitely differ when it comes to you know the kind of uh, the Simon Pegg comedy films. I really like them, and you really hate them. But I thought this was tremendously well balanced. I don't know. <laughs> Yes, Mike. Yes, Mike. Them? Yes. And everyone else in the natural world would call them comedies. Everyone except you. But I think this movie balances that comedy really well. There's a couple moments of humor. Um, but the beginning of the movie, when it kind of talks about like them being out in deep space, like some of that was actually like a little bit moving and a little bit dark. And that was not what I expected this movie to start out as, because a lot of the Star Trek movies, especially based on the old series, are very kind of happy go lucky exploration. And I was happy for them to take a look at like, yeah, how hard would that be on people's relationships to to be trapped in the same place essentially for five years. So I'm glad they they made, you know, and they actually gave Chris Pine some gravitas, which is maybe the first time that's ever happened in his life. So that was kind of cool to see. Stop picking on Chris Pine. Good Lord. I knew you were going to bring it up. <laughs> going back to our finest hours review. That's right. God, he's going to pick on this handsome man. He, he just seems like a likable dude. There's nothing yes. wrong with him. He's just, yes. you know. But he's not a, an actor um, where you're like, oh, yeah, he's got a lot of gravity to his performance. But in that voiceover, like, that stuff really worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I find it interesting that you're you're basically saying that this film accomplishes what Into Darkness was attempting to do with the title yeah. in the first, like, two minutes. Agreed. <laughs> and then moves on to being a good action movie. Yeah, it's very uh, efficient that's in that, that way. that's disliked, really. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Simon Pegg, I hesitant to say anything, you know, good about him uh i will say this uh he finally gave us uh his take on comedy with star trek beyond so i was happy to see that for the first time that he dived into that 
that genre that previously I think he had, you know, he'd been completely uh, unprepared for just <laughs> ill-suited to, to giving us comedic films. You know, I feel like, I feel like I'm just going to take this as a win. I'm not going to, I'm not going to continue this <laughs> ridiculous argument where you tell me that Simon Pegg isn't funny and that Shaun of the Dead didn't make a shitload of money based on a comedic enterprise. I'm just going to let that go. Uh, but for me, it was I, definitely more serious than uh, 28 days later. 28 days later was funnier than show of the dead. <laughs> oh oh my that. God. Shut up. <laughs> uh, but I do think for me, as always uh, the, my favorite part of this movie is Carl Urban uh, as bones. I just think he's perfectly cast. Uh, and he, he, Obviously, you didn't watch the original show much or the movies, but he borders on that line where you know he's doing a little bit of an impression of the original character, mm -hmm. but still makes it his own and is still still comedic. And I like you mentioned those those interactions with Spock, and I think some of those interactions between Bones and Spock are really the backbone of this movie in a lot of ways, where you still have the comedy, you still have kind of the snarky attitude, but you do see that these people who have been against each other from the beginning actually do care about one another. I think what uh, Bones does, the, the, I mean, he and he's been my favorite in this series. Uh, Smart man. His new films. Yeah, uh, is just providing... He's he's somewhat of the everyman, or he's the of the audience's mm -hmm. reaction to a lot of the, the insanity around him, without <laughs> completely removing him from the story. You know, it's not right. like it's like what we were complaining about last week was Ghostbusters, where they start to get into that jargon, and you just kind of need someone to like kind of cut through the bullshit just a little bit, just to kind of remind you know the audience, like, hey, we're just playing make believe here. Like this is all a bunch of you know, and that's. That's kind of what he does, but it's interesting because he's one of the more technical characters as far right. as, you know, he finds himself trying to problem solve things from a medical background, but he is, uh, in a weird way, sort of the common man on the, on the ship. Well, yeah, he is, definitely uh, is because he's, manner of speaking. he's constantly talking about how dangerous space is and like all the right. horrible yeah, things yeah. that could happen. And as as kind of the everyman walking into this movie, you do kind of like as all these things are happening, you're like, God, why would you even go out there? This is, as someone like me who is like terrified even of the outside on earth <laughs> the idea of going out into deep space i'm like nah i'm good so it's good to have that kind of realistic uh character instead of everyone going like isn't this fun let's go out and explore this is great like no nah, you could really die out here let's uh let's stay in the ship for now so bones has kind of always been my favorite and it's nice to see that that has transferred to the new movies with the casting of carl urban yeah the only way you're getting me out into uh Space is uh, Alice Eve, and she's no longer in this this film. So they That's probably wouldn't have me on the ship this time. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I didn't go back and rewatch it. it. Was she wasn't killed off, right? I mean, I where was she? I don't this? think so. I don't think I've. I think I watched Into Darkness twice, but I don't think she was because I think. I think the way Abrams was going was he's, he was kind of like bringing in these characters that are already in canon, and she was a character that was in the old uh, original Star Trek movies. So it made me wonder if they were trying to you know, uh, go that direction. Uh, but I like that Justin Lin has like taken this and Simon Pegg for that matter, taken it in a totally different direction. Like we have new villains, like it's a race we've never seen. You know, part of me was kind of like as an old Star Trek fan, like, are we ever going to get back to like Romulans and Klingons and all these things that like scream Star Trek. But as I watched the movie, because like for once the villain was threatening and imposing and I, cared about what they were doing that left my mind right away and i mean it helps that you have idris elba in that role 
Yeah, that's that's the only part of the film where it does kind of run into. Uh, I, I think the you know, the danger zone for me is when you if you get too much of the villain explaining himself, right? Because he is he is made up in this ridiculous you know alien you know mask and costume what have you. Right. Uh, and I did think that they go right up to the edge, but then they pull back. They never really give him his full like James Bond villain moment. Yeah. You just get little hints that he's. You know, he's basically uh, a very valid threat to them. And that's right. that's all I really need because I, I generally don't care why they're trying to blow up planets. Like, right. there's not going to be an argument you can make to any sensible person that's like, oh, okay, I see your point on that. Yeah, right. let's go ahead and blow this fucker up. Like, no, that's <laughs> – so there's just enough yeah. of that. Uh, but I agree with you. I think the only, the only issue is knowing that it was Elba. Uh, I did think, like, eh, did he have to be, like – full-on alien mode. Couldn't it just been Elba? It's like, you know, let's just get yeah. Elba on the screen. I'm basically asking for Alice Eve and Idris Elba to just have their, their faces on giant screens. And I, yeah. I don't think that's too much too much to ask. No, I agree. And I've been saying this ever since the trailer came out. Like, how are you going to have a movie with Idris Elba and hide his face under shitty makeup? How dare you? Like, it's the same way I feel about, you know, the, the Prometheus gaffe that, uh, that was made where we don't get to see that one scene. Like, we have an attractive actor who can can hold his own on screen, but it's Star Trek. So, you know, we, we got to have him in ridiculous makeup. I mean, and that's the worst thing we can say about Star Trek. You know, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's a pretty good movie. Like I would actually buy this. I would, yeah. I would watch it again. Like I would just throw it on just as an action movie, just something that's just kind of fun and, and light to watch. So yeah. I don't want to like oversell it and no. say that it's like mind blowing. No. For like summer event movies. I think it's really good. Yeah. I mean, I think this is, I'm not going to say it's like the best a summer event movie can, can be because sometimes summer event movies can kind of cross over into like a new category of just like being an excellent film. And I don't mm-hmm. think this quite reaches that, but like for that, for what it is like, this is fantastic. Like this is really enjoyable from start to finish. If I can sit through a summer event movie and not have a second where I'm bored and wondering how much longer this movie is going on, which is usually what happens because things get repetitive and you know where the story is going. But I never felt that. And also I feel like you could come into this movie without seeing any other Star Trek movie and be fine. Yep. Which is, that is exceedingly rare in these type of movies that you don't have to, get on the internet or watch right. Easter eggs or go back and revisit 17 films. So it does for me. I mean, I went from having zero interest in more Star Trek films to now, like, you know, whenever they, they bring up the next one, uh, you know, it would be something that I would actually anticipate and be excited about. Uh, I do hope that Justin Lin returns. Uh, yeah. I do, even if he doesn't, uh, the dynamic of the cast, uh, maybe even more so having Simon Pegg sort of stay on as the, the, the writer of these adventures. Uh, there's just a, a great dynamic they've built. So I think it could, it could you know, still be good even having a new filmmaker put his slant on it. But I really actually hope that Justin Lin just sticks with the franchise for a couple more movies. Yeah, same. And then just in terms of kind of last thoughts before we get to to spoilers, like I I can't I really can't recommend this movie enough for the time of year it's coming out. Like we've sat through a lot of like bad to kind of just okay uh kind of summer event movies this year whether you're talking about independence day or you know sub in whatever comic book movie although those now start much earlier but i still see them as quote-unquote summer blockbusters but this this is what i wanted and i it, it wasn't something and i like the fact that movies can still surprise me 
that every once in a while, even if it's a bad trailer and you walk in thinking like, ah, this isn't going to be great, it can really shock you and really be a good, fun experience. And I think you're right. This is a movie that I could imagine, you know, owning a physical copy of it and just, you know, throwing it in and enjoying the two hours, which is really rare nowadays with sequels and reboots. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't expect it from like the third film out where the, the right. first two, I was just sort of like, I had like a, oh, that was all right kind of reaction to him. So. Especially after changing uh, yeah, directors, it's just, it's really, like, really impressive. Like you, you got mm-hmm. all over my case saying I was I was setting the bar too high for Star Trek Beyond by pairing it with Aliens. But you know, granted, this is not Aliens. This is not going to be like a classic of science fiction cinema in thirty years. But this is really impressive to take someone else's work and just kind of take it and run with it. And at no point does it feel like Justin Lin is copying J.J. Abrams, which is nice, too. Yeah, I was just uh, mainly giving you a hard time because you're you're doubting, even now, seeing it like Justin Lin. Like, you know, th- throw him a bone. Give him a Fast and Furious episode. Why don't you do, you can do a whole month of them. Like, that. And let's see, for BFG, I think, you know, you could have done Fast and Furious something. <laughs> Uh, that would be uh, too fast, the, the, too furious. I think we'll pair it with that. <laughs> Maybe uh, for for Sully, you know, Tom Hanks is flying high speed, trying to God trying to crash it. that plane. So there you go. You could just. I'm just basically giving you. Go ahead and buy the box set, and you're, you're set up. You can. You got a bunch of episodes there. Yeah, we'll we'll think about that. Uh, so at this point, we're going to move to spoilers because there are a couple things uh, that I want to bring up with you. Spoilers. What? Read ahead, spoil all the surprises. Not peeking at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. That's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. All right, so we're back for spoilers, and uh, Mike is so dedicated to to doing the show that he's doing it while eating dinner, which is impressive. Um, My food is getting cold, so there's some dedication. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So the two things I want to talk about are kind of the, the twist with the villain at the end, and of course the the quickly becoming famous music cue in this movie. Um, so I am notoriously bad at not seeing things coming. I tend to just kind of not shut my brain off, but just kind of dive into the movie and not, I think if I'm actively trying to figure out what's happening, the movie's not doing its job because I'm not entertained. Um, so I thought that, um, that the twist with Idris Elba's character, that he was actually a member of the Federation, like that stuff really worked and I did not see it coming. What did you think about it? You know, I mean, going back to what I said, I don't think I even really gave any consideration to it at all as far as what his uh, – now, I think it does work with what you said at the beginning where they, they talk about you know being separated from society and there is that, that risky run of right. just sort of ending your existence in the, the unknown. And uh, the cool thing they did with him was you know, by virtue of him surviving, it's, it's sort of that dark night thing where he lived long enough to become the villain. Right. Like, cause he went, he was known historically as a hero and now he's some sort of, you know, strange science fiction freak. So I did like that, I, but I wouldn't say that I was like, I wasn't looking at it like any sort of like a uh, twist or like puzzle piece. Like I, I basically just looked at him as like, Oh, it's a big evil alien. And that's all. Right. Um, but I did like, like the, the reveal when they, when they gave out all that information, I'm like, Oh, that's like a little extra twist of the knife to the villain. Like yeah. in his return. Yeah. And I think, I think you bring up a good point in passing there is that all this stuff was really well set up. Like whether you're talking about, um, 
you're talking about them talking at the beginning about kind of being lost in the darkness of deep space or just the fact that the ship is there, this whole Federation ship. And we know that he's like essentially somehow stealing the life force from people. So he's lived a long, long time. So he really could be anyone. Like I thought that stuff all worked. And that's that's kind of true for the whole movie. Like there's there's little moments of setup that feel just like action beats. Like when Kirk is first captured um, by uh, by Jayla with that kind of like whatever she uses to trap him, it looks like honeycomb almost. And the fact that they use that with the <laughs> sequence in the, with the motorcycle with him protecting uh-huh. all the people beaming out. Like it was like, Oh, we've actually seen this technology earlier in the movie. It's not just something that comes out of nowhere, which I really respect from a Star Trek movie, which you don't necessarily even have to do that. And the, the song Dave, let's get to this okay. infamous song. Apparently. All right. So I kept hearing things online before the movie about how, uh, people are trying to be cool about it. Like this is the greatest classical music moment uh, in film history because that's that's the in joke is that they're using you know a song from I get what is that like the nineties maybe like ninety five yeah using there, of yeah. course sabotage again uh, which is something that when I saw the trailer and that song was in there I like groaned and rolled my eyes like really are we still are we still going with the Beastie Boys in this in the Star Trek world is that still happening but the way they worked it in here I thought was just like borderline genius from from Justin Lin like I I think it all worked I liked that the action sequence actually synced up um with the sound cues in different portions and it just like visually was really stunning and really worked for me like i i really like that moment i don't know if i liked it as much as uh some people like our friend andrew from ab film review who could not stop frothing at the mouth about it uh but it was but it was enjoyable like i i did not think they could possibly fit in a sound cue from sabotage in this movie and make me happy about it but justin lynn did it yeah, shout out to uh, another uh, podcasting friend of ours, Ben Zook, who refuses to watch trailers. So I, I kind of would actually be interested in what he would think about uh, it, because I think you and I were both coming from it when I saw it on the trailer, where I thought like, oh, they're just harking back to the first Star Trek with Abrams and that the use of that. And I'm like, <laughs> for me, it felt kind of cheap. It was like, we're still as big as that film when we right. first came around. Like, we're still cool right and uh then <laughs> right. seeing it in the film it actually works i was like oh okay given the context because you know there's another song before that right. sets up and i do like that scotty is complaining about this obnoxious music um my only complaint with it really is that in both songs obviously there's you know uh cursing that they avoid and right. i would have liked for some of the f-bombs to be used especially in that action sequence so i don't know I, always... that's I, no, I think it i think it worked yeah i always have problems with any big franchise using fight the power in their movie, I'm like, guys, you are the power. Like, settle down. Don't don't use that sound cue. Please just stop. Well, I mean, you could have had a moment where uh, Idris Elba, you know, smashes this alien's boombox with a baseball bat. And then I don't know. Who who would it be? Would it be Scotty? Who who would be Mookie there that's going to be throwing <laughs> garbage cans at <laughs> the window in Star Trek? <laughs> I, I can't even deal with the fact that you just compared Simon <laughs> Pegg to Mookie from Do the Right Thing. I, now wow. would be a good time to promote my show, War Machine vs. War Horse. And for our Star Trek episode, we'll be pairing that with Do the Right Thing and approaching the same, <laughs> the same themes uh, of racial inequality. God. <laughs> Please stop. That will be our final show. 
yeah, it fucking better be. But actually, speaking, I'm actually going to let you uh, let you talk about your show. But speaking of that, I just listened to an episode uh, that I think came out last week uh, that was about the documentary De Palma, and I highly recommend that to people. I've listened to nearly all of Mike's episodes because uh, I'm an idiot, uh, and I apparently have a lot of free time, a lot of time in the car. Uh, but he likes to suffer. <laughs> yeah. But that honestly was one of my favorites. It's really enjoyable. I think even if you're not into De Palma, even if you're not terribly interested in his work, it's, it's really good from both you and Chris Maynard. So I definitely say go download that one. If you're going to download, uh, anything from the war machine versus Warhorse back catalog, but what else is coming up, Mike? Well, I, I appreciate that. And now we're going to, we're going to disappoint you by following up with a, a documentary on De Palma and filmmaking, uh, with a lights out episode, which I'm sure <laughs> tanked this weekend. Um, but it was one that I really had no interest in the, the actual new film. I did get to see it in advance for free, which, uh, that automatically shoots it up on my charts on the podcast <laughs> recording schedule. Oh, free. Nice. Thank you. Um, but we have a pretty interesting pairing that will be, uh, about, uh, how light, uh, affects people in much better films uh, in the original <laughs> Insomnia, uh, which mm. was remade by Christopher Nolan, but we're going to do the one with uh, Stellan Skarsgård, and uh, we're doing Sunshine, which is a film mm. I have not seen. So this is a, an episode programmed by my co-host, uh, Chris Maynard, so we're going to do that Denny Boyle film about uh, trying to save the sun, like a mission, and so yeah, that, that will be better than Lights Out, and I've already told uh, him to skip seeing Lights Out. He can just interview me about my time <laughs> watching it, <laughs> and I'm also advising all of our listeners to probably not see Lights Out, but it won't matter. You can still listen to the episode. We'll be talking about better shit. Yeah, I mean, anytime you give Maynard creative control, you're already going down a dangerous path, so. <laughs> <laughs> it will be explicit. Tagged explicit. Yeah, especially lately. Jesus. <laughs> guy needs a break or something. <laughs> All right, um, so that's it for a new release review. I guess uh, go see Star Trek Beyond. If you're going to see a blockbuster this year, this is the one to see, and I did not think I would be saying that, but there it is. All right. I'm uh, now going to go eat my food. I'm getting weird looks. (laughs) Yeah, aren't you used to that by now? I just assume you get that all the time. (laughs) This is just a way for me to promote your podcast and just walk around restaurants recording it live. People, what are you talking about? I think it's having the opposite effect. They're like, oh, don't download that. Uh, but we're going to take a break and then we'll come back with Bangirl Fixation for Britt to tell us what's coming out next week. All right. So it's time for Fangirl Fixation with Britt. Hello, Britt. Hello. Uh, anything you want to talk about before we jump into the movies today? I wish I had more energy to like make it sound as much as I like it. But oh my God, Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek Beyond was pretty great. Yeah. Uh, Do you think it was the best out of the three new ones? I, I think I enjoyed it the most mm, okay. out of sure. the three new ones because I like. Is your Benedict Cumberbatch love getting in the way, or your love for the first one? No, the love for the first one because I think it was a really well done reboot. Um, without having to do too many of the nostalgia, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, which I feel like the second one had way more of that. And so that's very irritating Probably to me. too much. Um, yeah. but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like, like this had a lot of action that was like throwback to generation movies, mm. but it had like a little bit more action in it. So it actually felt like a Star Trek movie. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't feel just in, like a, an extended episode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so I think that's my favorite one so far. Yeah, so go see Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. That's, that's the message. Yeah. yeah. Totally agree. 
All right, so we have three movies coming out this week. Uh, the first one is called Nerve. It says a high school senior finds herself immersed in an online game of truth or dare where her every move starts to become manipulated by an anonymous community of watchers. So what did you think of this trailer? It looks stupid. Okay, anything else? It looks really stupid. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me, it feels like it's trying to be, um, did you ever see that movie The Game? The Michael Douglas. It sounds really familiar. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of feels like that, but more lame. Like, nothing about... I mean, I I love Dave Franco, who's in this, but I don't know. He doesn't strike me as, like, a dramatic lead. Is, it's hard oh, for me to take that, him seriously. Is that the boy? I'm yeah. really distracted by the fact there's a piece of glitter on your face. Yeah, he's but he's the guy who is in... Stop. <laughs> he's the guy who is in... Um, uh, who is in Neighbors... Was, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I didn't really pay that much attention to who that was because I was too busy, like, rolling my eyes and saying this is stupid. Yeah, it's, I mean, it looks pretty rough. Like, I just, I mean, the only thing good I can say about it is it's only an hour and 36 minutes, so at well, least I it'll think be short. I think it's trying to, like, poke fun at, like, how obsessed we're becoming with reality TV. Yeah. But at the same time, nobody's going to get the message from this kind of movie. I mean, nobody's getting that kind of message from any of the other movies that have been put out. So Yeah, this isn't exactly a new idea. Yeah, now unfortunately there's probably going to be some dumb shit that's like, yeah, we should totally do that. Right, and that's, that's totally, that's totally so, possible. So, good job on giving them ideas on how to hurt people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just, there's, I remember seeing this trailer for the first time, like maybe a month ago, and just like walked away from it kind of like, eh, I got like nothing from it. No, like I, not even bad, like I was just like... Well, I just stopped paying attention the first time I watched yeah. it. Well, like, those were images and yeah. sounds, and that's all I got, like, just kind of rough. So I think we'll jump to the next the next movie, uh, which is Bad Moms. Uh, three overworked and underappreciated moms are pushed beyond their limits and ditch their conventional responsibilities for a jolt of long overdue freedom, fun, and comedic self-indulgence, starring Mila Kunis, Catherine Hahn, and Kristen Bell. And also, uh, what's her name? Uh, Christina Applegate. And Jada Pinkett Smith as kind of the the villains, yeah. I guess, of the movie. So, what did you think of this trailer? Are you I excited? Know, for I'm it? on the fence on that, uh, the, mm. this one because I really want to see Kristen Bell in in this because I think. Well, I mean, I've always loved her since um, Veronica Mars, but then mm -hmm. like all those stupid TV commercials with her and her husband, like just make me want to like see her in a role as yeah, a bad mom. They're adorable. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of want to see see it for that, but I, I don't I don't know. Yeah, this feels like a movie that's either going to be great or awful. Yeah. Like, it could be it could be a really hard sit, you know, yeah. where you're just like, this isn't funny, what's happening here? And also, like, I mean, I know it's Hollywood, but part of it is like, I don't know, like, is that the, is that the only, like, image of moms we can have? Like, every mom in here is, like, Hollywood gorgeous. Yeah. You know, Mila Kunis, Kristen Bell, Catherine Hahn, maybe, maybe not so much, but then you got Christina Applegate. And Jada Pinkett. Like, they're all gorgeous, like, perfectly in shape women. And, like, God forbid we would have a comedy about moms where they actually look like women. Like, like human beings. Like the, Yeah, that'd be weird. You can't, you can't yeah. have those kind of comedies, though, that are about moms. So Yeah, I mean, I just think it's unfortunate. Like, it still could be funny. There's still plenty of, I mean, there's plenty of comedians that, like, would fit, like, what you would think an average woman should look like. Right. And that could play those roles. And they kind of, like, skipped over them. Yeah, I mean, part of me, I guess, gets the idea that you want, you know, you want a good-looking movie star to um, 
to kind of spearhead this movie because you got to sell it. Like, I get that part of it, but not every single one of them has to be, right? you know, like a model. Right. You know, so that's, that's a or little... Or size four. Right, yeah. And it's just kind of like, you know, it could be funny. I think Mila Kunis is very hit or miss. Like, sometimes I just love her and I think she's fantastic. And then she does Ted. Yeah. You know, I also, like... <laughs> I don't know. Like, I also don't like that we're going to still play up all these stereotypes about what it's to be a mom. Like, you're just making more dialogue about it that's not fair. How so? Well, because, like, let's look at what their ideas of a bad mom is from the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, having your kid in a sports car apparently means you're a bad mom. Yeah. I mean, I mean, think what they're going, going for. Going out for drinks means you're a bad mom. Yeah. I mean, I think what they're going for, though, is that as a mom or as a parent, maybe, you're, like, expected to be absolutely perfect. Like, oh, no. Especially, especially in the society right now. Right. In U.S. culture, like... You can't, like, there's helicopter parenting, there's all these other people that are telling you how you should be raising your kids, and there is a lot of scrutiny on women specifically. Um, like, it was, it was actually, there's a female comedian, uh, Ali Wong, mm-hmm. um, who just did a special on Netflix, and she's like, she's like eight months pregnant, seven months pregnant doing mm-hmm. this this bit, and she even has this whole thing about how, um, the way that our culture is, is like, the dads get all of the credit. Like, oh, he goes to all of your doctor appointments. He's so supportive and, like, all these other things. And <laughs> the she's thing like, you do all She's the like, time? you know who else has to go to them? Me! And I don't get a choice. of the show. Like. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder, like, it almost sounds like you're saying you don't, and this is totally valid, by the way, and but correct me if I'm wrong, that you kind of don't trust audiences. Because the movie's called Bad Moms, it has this kind of negative connotation already um, when they're just doing stuff that is kind of normal. Yeah. Right. So if it was called something else, yeah. it wasn't like this, um, this judgment type word in the title. It wouldn't it wouldn't bother you. Yeah, because okay. I mean, I like to me, like there's there's so much pressure just to to be a good parent to to like to already poke fun at it and say that somebody's a bad mom for trying to live their life while being a parent. Right. Is really upsetting to me. Like there's plenty of people out there that who shouldn't be parents right. that are actually like. Like, doing awful things. You know, like, leaving their kid alone all day while they go and get high. Right. That's not, I mean, that's not what these people are doing, but we're, like, as a society, we're going to label it as them being terrible people. Yeah. Because they're not being the perfect mom. So it almost sounds like the message of the movie is fine, but the way it's presented is not so great. Because it's the idea is that you shouldn't have to be perfect. You should be able to live your life. Right, but But that doesn't make you bad. Right. Yeah, okay, sure. All right, so the last movie and the movie we will be covering on the show is Jason Bourne. Um, so I'm sure, I mean, I feel like this is another one of those trailers that I feel like has been ahead of many, many movies we've seen. Oh, so many. Yeah. Um, almost to the point where I'm like, can I just see the movie already? I'm done with this. My God, it's Jason Bourne. Like, I'm so tired. I'm about to go like 10 things I hate about you on it. You want to explain that? Well, because the actress is in this movie. Okay, but what does going 10 things I hate about you on it mean? I don't know. Nothing. Okay, <laughs> cool. Cool, good talk. Um, so what did you think of the trailer? Um, it's a typical Bourne movie trailer. Is that good or bad? Well, I mean, I'm behind on the the very extensive set of movies, so... Oh, there's only three. There's, there's four. Well, they're kind of. The fourth one is with Jeremy Renner, and nobody saw it, and it doesn't matter. Jeremy Renner is 
kind of terrible in action movies. So there's three Matt Damon. You know he's Hawkeye, right? I do. Okay. And I still think he's bad in action movies. Especially as like, I guess, to be more correct, he's bad as the main character in an action movie. Okay. So so how many of the Bourne movies did you see? You saw the first one, I assume. I think I've only seen two. Okay. Possibly three, but I think mostly just two. Okay. We'll have to watch the third one because the third one I really like. It's it's my favorite of the three. I think okay. it's excellent. Um, That's one of the ones that you watch without me. Yes. Yes. One of the many because I'm a terrible person. You are. I know. Um, so anything in particular you're looking forward to? What do you think of Matt Damon as an action star? I think with Bourne it actually kind of works because he's still being like all American who is serving his country and like and then like went into this program and then can't remember right. anything. So I think it still fits like his image mm. um from the first movie. Right. Right. Like I I would have to like see the rest to weigh in on how I feel about him with everything else. Sure. Um But yeah, I don't know. Like I think I'm just I think I'm getting tired of these kind of movies, maybe. maybe. Getting tired of action movies? Not action Brittany movies. Brittany Hart. I know. What is wrong with you? Who are you? <laughs> Saying my last name. You know my last name? I think they can fill in the blanks. Hey, they may not know. They know. They don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so getting tired of action movies, huh? No, I think I'm getting tired of this type of action movie. Okay, Being so tired like of the self-serious secret- or well, like spy? Well, the, like the super spy, mm. like government programming, like blah, blah, blah. It's the same thing of like where I'm getting tired with reboots. Like have an original yeah. idea. Yeah, and, cool. and, to, and to be fair, like the original of, of this kind of book series, I think came out in like the late 70s, early 80s. Right. So this is not a new idea no, in any yeah, sense. Yeah, but it's just like how many more ways are we going to make him find out the truth? Yeah, there does seem to be a lot of kind of repetition there of like, didn't we already figure at least, this out? At least with the Mission Impossible <laughs> movies, like, you know, the Impossible Mission changes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, same character, but at least these things, like the goal. Right, and I feel like he's just doing the same thing over and over again. Oh, definition of insanity. Yes, yes. I guess the, the thing that stands out in the trailer to me uh, with Matt Damon is that sequence, of, like kind of the bare knuckle fighting sequence that is at the end of the trailer um it's i think it's the one moment where it seems like they're trying to push um matt damon even farther into the badass territory yeah i didn't like even more like he was always kind of like smooth and based in martial arts as opposed to just like smashing yeah just smashing someone's face in yeah so what did you think of that moment does that work for you no 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 i mean especially i mean it's just physics he the his opponent's way bigger than he is. He's not going to lay them out. Got huge. He looks. He got really huge, but big. that guy is still a head taller and has at least fifty pounds on him. And he lays him out with a punch to the face. He's, no, that's not how that fucking he's works. Jason Bourne, you know his name. Not at that point, he wasn't. <laughs> he didn't have no super soldier serum in him. You don't know that. You don't know when that takes place. I don't care. As far as the trailer, so I'm just saying. In, maybe he does. In, in the continuity of the trailer, it doesn't make sense. Okay. All right. Um, so, do you want to see the movie, though? Yeah, I'm going to see the movie. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I love how excited you are about new releases. Yeah, there's, well, I mean. You weren't, but to be fair, remember this. You were not I was super not, excited about Star I Trek. I was not. And you loved it. I was not excited about it because I was afraid it was going to be another Wrath of Khan thing where it was just nudge, nudge, wink, wink bullshit. And I didn't want to deal with that. Um, but can we have Simon Pegg write all the scripts? Yeah, 
it was really well written. Dude. Like, it was it was pretty It was like it hit all the Star Trek moments that you needed without it being like, oh, look, it's Star Trek. Like, it was everything that you like in the shows. And I grew up on all of the Star Treks. Yeah. All of them. So, because I watched the original and Deep Space Nine with um, my grandpa, and then I watched Next Generation with my dad, and then I watched Voyager by myself, because people be haters. <laughs> haters gonna hate. Um, and then I watched the, the newer one with you, so... Are you talking about Enterprise? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was called, right? Yeah, yeah Enterprise. Like the, the very beginning. With Sam. That was not good. That was kind of painful to get through, but... Uh, because of that... Friction. Everybody. Even... I mean, I love Scott Bakula. My brain's dying. What's her name? Paul. Yeah, something. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah I hated yeah. her face. I mean, the whole thing's... I couldn't tell you what happened in that series. Like, it's totally forgettable to me, because it just wasn't very good. I can tell you there was a really cute beagle. There was a cute beagle. That's true. That beagle was the star of the show. Right? Yeah. Only reason to watch it. All right. Uh, anything else before we uh, before we end this episode? No. Okay. Um, so uh, next time we have an episode, we will be taking a look at Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Which um, you made me watch. Which I did make you watch. Yes. Um, which will be, uh, will be paired with, as we mentioned, Jason Bourne, because it's, as we kind of mentioned earlier, it's w- yet another action series. I did that by accident because he doesn't ever talk to me. You did. Uh, the Jeremy Renner was supposed to take over and the audience said, no, thank you. Uh, bring this person back. So. And yet he was in the Mission Impossible movie. So. Hmm. Yeah, he was, but he was supposed to like be the new Ethan Hunt. No, I know. And it just didn't happen. All right, um, so we will take a look at that uh, this coming week. And until then, I will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging you for what you watch. How are you? <clears throat> Pretty miserable, Dave. <laughs> it's too much hookers and blow, man. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta cut back. <laughs> yeah, it's just not going down like it used to. <laughs> Sadly. Yeah, I'm in a, uh, I'm in the bathroom of my favorite pizza place. <laughs> I wanted to, like, I got stuff I needed to get done, but I wanted to get food, and Brittany would have killed me a bit. I was like, I gotta take time to talk about Star Trek. So yeah, I'm, I'm in the bathroom, you know, you know, stop people from being able to relieve themselves because I'm talking Star Trek. That actually kind of makes me really happy. Uh, okay, let's, let's, let's get started before we hear uh, the sounds of someone urinating in the middle of the podcast, <laughs> which would be like probably probably appropriate, but that's all right. Oh, I got I got, I got chased out, man. <laughs> like, I think someone was like, uh, "What are you doing?" <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs>